0: Welcome to the
1: Baseball America podcast. Baseball America, bringing you baseball news you can't get anywhere else for more than 35 years. Now it's time to talk baseball. Hey everyone, another edition here of the Baseball America podcast. J.J. Cooper and Kyle Glazer today. We're not going to talk AL Central. We thought about doing that today, but as we wrap up, as we give you a podcast to head into the Thanksgiving uh, break, the Thanksgiving holiday, happy Thanksgiving to everyone, we all have the American Thanksgiving for our Canadian uh, listeners uh, and, and other countries, but uh, we, we, we did want to talk today about the news that came out today. Ken Rosenthal had a story that, let's be honest, if you're a baseball fan, is not the kind of story that you want to read the day before Thanksgiving, which is is that as we sit here with the current CBA set to expire at the end of November, and we don't have a new CBA yet, and for the first time... Off the record and you know, but there is a story that says that the owners are considering a lockout that would begin immediately. So that would mean that on December first, baseball will be locked out. It means that when we get to the winter meetings, which is not far away. Starts December 4th, three right, days n- later. Three days later. When the winter meetings arrive, that doesn't mean there wouldn't be the winter meetings. The winter meetings are the major league and minor league winter meetings. Doesn't mean that the owners can't still meet about travel and other things that they need to work out. Doesn't mean that the minor leagues can't do all the things they do with setting schedules and doing meetings. They could even do meetings with major league teams about any minor to majors uh, issues that they need to work out. You can still have the trade show, all that. But what you wouldn't have is this free agent signing here. This trade's happening. And, and I do mean, tr- truly trust me, this hurts me to say this, but, and no, potentially no Rule 5 draft at the winter meetings. JJ would sit in his hotel room with just the lights. Weeping. Out. Weeping. So sad. Weeping. <laughs> um, but, so we saw that story. You read that story. I read that story. And I, I guess I'll start with Kyle. how, and we, let's, let's preface to say this is a very busy time of the year at Baseball America. We've got the Prospect Handbook coming up. We just finished the Almanac. We just finished an issue. We've got another issue coming up as well. By the end of, we have less than a month from now where we will have literally written and edited 900 scouting reports for the prospect handbook. There's no one in the Baseball America offices whose job is to spend time trying to figure out where they are in the negotiations of the CBA. So we are not coming to you and saying that here's what a lot of reporting we've done said. But that being said, Kyle, knowing this as you do, What do you think, when you saw that story, what do you think the chances are that effectively a week from now, we will see a lockout in baseball?
2: To be honest, it struck me as a lot of saber rattling. I don't think we're going to see anything, and if we do, it won't be anything serious. And the reason I say that is what's being discussed as the points of contention are not the huge issues. You know, share of revenues going to players, you know, issues with potential Uh, you know collusion I mean some of the really nasty stuff that we've seen over the years not just in baseball but even what the main topics of contention were in the recent lockouts with the NBA and the NHL and what the NFL was threatening but never actually did were way more serious way more big-picture issues what the issues they're talking about now are details I mean obviously it seems callous to say that because we're talking about players lives but in the grand scheme of Major League Baseball as a multi-billion dollar corporation... Eight to and,
1: nine billion dollar industry right, right now. ...and how
2: it functions. These are not the core issues that strike at the very heart of the game, such as, you know, again...
1: The share of the pie. I mean, really, right. the core, baseball has obviously had labor strife before. They've had lockouts. They've had strikes. Those have revolved around... Really what happened is is once the free agent genie was out of the bottle, owners spent the next part of the next decade at least trying to tamp that down and failed. But there so in eighty you know in the early eighties, and we you know we had multiple run-ins with this, in the eighties and even into the nineties, we had that the debate was essentially over free agency. And players, major league players, making
2: clause all the way up through free agency, and how they're going to be compensated. And then you obviously had we mentioned the uh, you know the
1: collusion cases,
2: the late mean, which were very serious. You know, those were
1: share of the pie issues. Those were what percentage of this at the time? Much less, much smaller pie. What percentage goes to the players? What percentage goes to Which the other? Which, at
2: the end of the day, is the core issue for all sports leagues. I mean, we all learn yeah. the terms basketball-related income over and over and over again during the most recent NBA lockout. Same with NHL. I mean, so to me, when that's not an issue on the table, the other stuff can get worked out. And another thing is, you know, we mentioned well, having not, you know, we're, you know, we're not, I'm not on the phone with you know, major mm-hmm. baseball talking it on the sources, but, you know. I was in the room when they were talking about at the All-Star Game. Mm-hmm. And I was in the room when they were talking about the general manager's mm-hmm. meetings. And just the tone is not this animosity, this, well, you know, we think there's... You know, the, the reading between the lines there's isn't th- terrible. It's, you know what, we have some issues, we'll work them out. It's not, well, we have, you know, X and Y, and this is a very serious problem, and they're not meeting us halfway. No, there,
1: there was... I mean, you go back... You go back to the late 80s. You, go back, to the, you go back to the end of the Uber era when there was overt collusion when there was, I mean, if you, again, if you're too young to remember this, when there was times where you could be one of the best free agents in baseball and literally get zero offers besides... That's awesome. You awesome. I mean, when, when calling the bluff is that you actually show up, place an empty contract in front of the team and say, fill it out, fill it out and I'll sign it, and they're like, I don't know about this. Well, Overt collusion... You had owners who hated the players. You had the players who understandably felt like that the owners were not trustworthy. And you had a literal at the time, I mean, it was a Cold War. Right now, you do have a situation where, yeah, as you said, all these things we're talking about. I cannot imagine in any way that we will see on April 1st or whatever day it is, well, baseball is locked out today because they can't work out whether they're going to have an international draft or not. That's not an issue... That that the entire union is going to vote to strike over. And that's also not an issue that the owners are going to lose hundreds lose of millions, of, hundreds of, millions of, of, of dollars of revenue over. to get an international draft. Because as issues go, it's not that it's not significant, but it's not a core In, issue. In the
2: grand scheme, exactly. So it's, to me, while well, I think... You know, pay attention to it, see what happens. I I think it, again, it just strikes me as the classic saber-rattling we see as negotiations get closer, whether... You know, I remember even hearing over and over again how the NFL was going to lock out. They had the poison pills and that labor contract, and they weren't going to renew it, and the owners, the players, it was getting nasty, and all ended up happening was, I think, a week of training camp. And, And let me
1: say on that one, I mean, you want to talk about basically owners who are... I, going over the line, do remember, I mean, this is something we do not have. There should be animosity between the Players Association and the owners in football because the poison pill was is that there was going to be an uncapped year right. in football. They have a salary cap, but for the year to help, in, there was going to be things that the free agency, the, the restrictions on when you become a free agent were going to go up. That was the poison pill for the players. But on the owner's side, it was there will not be a salary cap, and then, after that, they find the teams. They find the over. teams who went over the non-existent salary cap,
2: <laughs> which was hysterical. But very that NFL. is the
1: NFL's <laughs> version of the MLB's collusion from the late '80s. It's just happened a lot more recently.
2: And, and again, that's the thing I think for a lot of people, you know, the MLB situations. We're talking about 1994, which seems so long ago. But you know, you take someone like me, for example, who. I was six years old when that happened. I have no memory of it and now I'm 28. So you have a lot of people who are young professionals who are part of the market of ticket buyers, television people who
1: who thankfully have grown up in a time where this was never. So
2: I think for a lot of this, there's a little bit of a, you know, there's not really a sense this is gonna happen. Especially when the lockouts that we're familiar with are the NBA and NHL which are two much smaller revenue sports that had very serious disagreements over Again, that court issue, the share of the pie, (laughs) hockey-related income, basketball-related income. I mean, even MLB. I remember in 2002 when they got close.
1: Oh, I I had just started. I had literally, (laughs) when you said that, that made me think of. My story that I think of is is that I had just started at Baseball America in September of 2002. And, I mean, I still say, this is, I, I had gotten my dream job. This is where I wanted to be. I was thrilled. That being said, I moved from Georgia to North Carolina. And I mean, that's one where we really, we were coming out of an era where usually when it came to a new CBA, there ended up being work stoppages, lockouts, strikes, whatever. And we also knew, like, I wasn't dumb enough not to know. I mean, Baseball America took a hit. In '95, understandably, because you had people who were serious baseball fans who stopped being interested, and some of them never came back. And that's the thing that you do. That's the thing again that strikes me about how we're not going to have a lockout is is the dumbest thing that everyone, I mean, the stupidest thing that everyone involved could do right now, at a time where we are coming off of a postseason that has baseball at its strongest point in many a year, the worst thing in the world to do would be to cause unneeded damage to the game.
2: Exactly. And the truth is, I think the owners get that. The Players Association gets that. And this is going to sound overly simplistic, but baseball's owners are not stupid. Occasionally, there's greedy, greed, but they're not stupid, as opposed to, you know, notice i are a fan of the NHL, A lot of the people in charge there genuinely do not make smart decisions. They repeatedly, over the years, whether it's the league office, the ownership, I'm I'm less worried about someone involved in Major League Baseball doing something that's just a poor business decision based on the track record of the last 20. I mean, we're talking about it's been 20 years since a strike. It's not like there's been repeated, you know, it's not where we we haven't been on the brink
1: either. 2002 is the last time we came to the brink. Yeah. Now, I do want to dive in a little bit further um, also with this. Ken Rosenthal's reporting uh, points out that there is general agreement on many of the issues. The the core issues that are standing there is is that, according to to Ken, the owners offered to remove draft pick compensation for free agents. So basically remove that tie between the U.S. slash Canada slash Puerto Rican draft and free agent compensation. Now, what was not clear from that, at least in my reading was, whether that would mean that free agent compensation would, for that would, be, would disappear, or if you essentially would cut the tie between the team that signs the player losing a pick, which I think is probably what it is, because it, I don't see the owners in any way wanting to, and they have no reason to give up. If there is no penalty to the team signing the player, that's where the players association logically gets involved because that is affecting the market for the player. If the player signing with another team causes no penalty to the team that signs them, then it really almost becomes like if the owners want the draft, which is not union players, if they want to give extra picks in the draft, that's their call, not really a players association issue. But said that, and then that they were looking for that, and they would give that up in exchange for an international draft. And I give the I give the players, this is um, something where the players are looking bigger picture which is something they've been accused in the past of not. Then the past, the Players Association has been accused of, it's a, it's, it works for the stars much less than it does for the rank and file. In this case, the Players Association is saying that free agent compensation affects 10, 12, 15 players a year whereas the international draft would affect hundreds. hundreds of players a year. And they rightfully point out you, there is a very strong reason that there is not a clear parallel between a 18-year-old U.S. high school student being drafted and a 16- or let's make him an 18-year-old Dominican player being drafted. The big difference being. Leverage to go to college or not. If you're a high school player and you get drafted, you say, my number's 300,000, take whatever it is. My number's 300,000, and if not, I'm going to X. And the team knows we can lose them to wherever. You, you do this in an international draft. I'm not saying all teams would do it, but if a team wanted to treat most of the international draftees, like they were college seniors, which is the non leverage portion of the current draft. There's not a whole lot precluding them from doing that because what you're essentially saying to those players is, is okay, you're 18 now. If you don't sign for, let's say I give you a $10,000 offer, you can go back in the draft for next year, but you'll be a 19-year-old at that point, and you won't really have done much to... In- you're not going to increase your stock the same way that you do if you head off to a JUCO or to uh, you know, to a major college program. Right. And there's ways you can work around that. But that is – a, I mean, that's, that's, a, that's impressive. In some ways, I can say that's impressive that the Players Association is looking out for people who are not union members not just the cream of the crop of the union.
2: And I think it's interesting, too. You know, we talk about, you know, Rosenthal pointed out in his article that uh, 27.5% of all players uh, on opening day rosters were uh, international players, and I thought it was interesting because you're still talking about over 70% not being them. So mm-hmm. you could still say the 72% of the non-international players who have no ties to this and could not care about this could overrule and say, hey, you know, this is not an issue we're willing to go to battle over but I think it's been good. There, you know, there's it tells me there's a lot of discussion happening. Players are listening to each other, just kind of seeing, you know, an understanding, even if they might not agree with certain points or, or counterpoints. They're at least keeping an ear open to their, you know, their teammates who yeah. might be from the Dominican who have a very different tale to tell or different perspective. And I think anytime you have a union membership that listens to each other, it's better than having one where you're divided in half.
1: Well, the interesting thing with this, though, is that if this is the core issue, there are ways... I do think this is something that can be resolved. Again, 100%. Because let's say that the owners really want an international draft. There are protections you can put into that that eliminate some of those concerns. Like, if you talk about the lack of leverage, a way you put into that is that you put in hard floor slotting. Like, basically, if you take a guy with the 25th pick. You have, to you, you have to offer him this, and if you do not, he becomes a free agent, signed by anyone or whatever. You whatever. Know, we essentially have that in the major league, in the current draft, in that if you do not, we saw the loophole free agents that happened uh, years ago now with Travis Lee and guys like that, where if you didn't offer a contract, a proper contract within a certain amount of time, that player became a free agent. So there, there, there are ways you can work around that. If it's something on the, on the flip side, if it's something where MLB wants some more cost certainty in this and they want to eliminate the current system where teams are really incentivized to go over their pool and spend way more than their pool, well, there's other ways you can do that too. If you go to baseballamerica.com right now, Ben Badler has a story yesterday that pointed out one theory, but it's like his point was if you raise the amount of money that each team's allowed to spend and keep the same penalties as far as if you go over your pool you actually decrease the incentive to go over your pool the idea being if the yankees know that they're only going to be allowed to spend eight million dollars in a three-year span then and they're and they could spend 25 in one year instead or 20 well they know by that they even if they pay the penalty they've been to spend 21 year and the penalty, they'll still spend more money and acquire more talent than if they had $8 million to spend. If each team had twelve a year, and you said, I know I'm going to be able to spend $36 million over three years, well, then all of a sudden, the penalty for going over in one year means you have to spend $50 million in a year to make it worth it. Well, teams probably don't want to do that.
2: I think circling back, though, all these things we're talking about, you mentioned they're fixable. Mm-hmm. They're, they're, there's not these sometimes intractable... We're not talking
1: about that. Owners want a salary cap, but the players don't.
2: Right, and so for me, that's why. Again, of course, you know, as we're getting down to the deadline, people are going to start getting nervous, and you know, someone's going to, you know, try and play a little chess, and maybe you know, you know, say, hey, you know, we're willing to, to go to battle over this. But you know, and re- again, I just go back to saber rattling, to posturing. This is not the type of deal where I really think you could sit here and say, yeah, I can see them losing games over this. There are situations where you absolutely can. I was not surprised the NHL or NBA went to their lockouts. I was frankly surprised the NFL didn't lose any games because all the things they were talking about were core issues. And right. To they, their no, credit,
1: they, they found a way to solve no, it. I, mean, I would even argue it's not to their credit. What it just proved again is Money the talks. NFL... No, the NFL Players Association because the, the... The NFL Players Association is forever at a very weak position because... The careers are so short. So any player who's not a star, if you lose a half season of games, it's going to be hard for you to make those checks up because if you're, if you're only in the league for two and a half years, I don't care how good you make it for next guy. And the other problem that they, that they have that MLB will – that, that the Players Association of Baseball will never have is that the difference you can in NFL – They've proven it. You can put out, it's a poor product, but you can put out games, replacement games, that the difference between the 45th best player on an NFL roster and the 60th, who's currently not a roster player, is very small. Now, it doesn't mean you you do lose the stars, but there's not, you can put out a relatively representative product. And that's something the player Association doesn't really have an answer for. Whereas, and because once you do that, what happens is, is the NFL players, because they have short careers, start crossing the picket line. And once you, once you have um, a Lawrence Taylor was it, was it 80, 87? show up, 87, once a Lawrence Taylor shows up, guys like that start showing up, the strike's over. In MLB, because you have not just the 40-man roster players, but if you're a top prospect who's not on the 40-man roster. You're not
2: going to risk it. You're not
1: going to cross that picket line. Yeah. And so what happens is is that, and the one time they tried, it was not going to go well. You are talking about essentially low-level minor leaguers who are really put in an impossible situation and indie ball players, essentially. That's the caliber of player you're talking about. Well, that is not nearly as significant a threat. You know, when there are more... German, more key issues than there are so this time.
2: So it just goes back to, again, We're I think we're all hitting on the same point here. There's no real way it makes any sense for this to really get beyond maybe a day or two. I mean, there's Well, even no with that,
1: I mean, we, it, this seems like... that. This seems like it makes more sense that if they're not done by December 1st, you say, okay, we're just going to keep operating under current rules while we finalize these last couple of issues. Right. Because... Again, now you have to have this worked out, but the reality of it is, is that you have, I mean, this is the point of year where you have time.
2: Right. You still have spring training, you know, doesn't not players aren't reporting for another three months and get stuff done. And, you know, and obviously there's going to be variations of labor law and things that have to do, you know, go about things certain ways, but again, I just, you know... And then, it's, well, this is not a criticism of the reporting that was done. Like, no. it's, it, you have to report it, and I think it's it's, oh, it's very relevant. We're talking about it right
1: now because it was it moved the yeah, it moved the I, story. I, I
2: think our, these comments are more
1: directed to the
2: people who are saying the things like, what, "Well, you know, we could, you know, the reality was It's no. predictable. Right.
1: It's predictable that this is the point of time and it has to not the happened. Final yet. week, like, of course you're going to you're always going to see these types of stories. But at the same time, we're. I, I still these types of quotes I should say from these types of people. I still feel at this moment pretty comfortable that the rule five draft <laughs> will happen on December eighth at nine A. M. Eastern and I will be there. I I will be a very sad man if that does not happen, but that is something that I still do believe will happen. So, so that's uh that's our podcast for today. That's gonna be the last one of the week. You know, we're we are trying to do these daily during the week, but at the same time, You might have noticed that tomorrow's Thanksgiving. We're not coming in here to record a podcast tomorrow. And we're not coming in on Friday to record a podcast. So we will be back next week. We still have the uh, we're going to knock out Twins, Indians, and Tigers podcast next week. And then we'll roll right into the ALS, something that Kyle and I both know. Kyle wrote the uh, Mariners' top ten. I wrote the Astros' top ten. We're uh, rolling along.
2: Absolutely, I'm really looking forward to uh, getting into the into the western half of the U.S. with uh, with baseball. That's my bread and butter, and I'm, that really, is. I'm
1: ready to get in it. So, for Kyle Glazers, J.J. Cooper, thank you everyone for the download. Do reminder uh, a reminder that it is a great time to subscribe to Baseball America because it is prospect season. BaseballAmerica.com/store. All kind of offers for the print magazine, the online magazine, the online uh, coverage, as well as the print. You can get both together. Also, we have the Prospect Handbook. We just finished up the almanac. So a lot of great stuff, baseballamerica.com slash store. If you need a holiday presents right now, great idea uh, for, for everyone, really. But, uh, but also with that, we do want to remind you, if you are downloading uh, Baseball America podcast do you enjoy it, uh, feel free to write a review. iTunes, you know, if you, if you do uh, iTunes, uh, give us a rating and a review. We do appreciate it. And we will be back next week. So long, everybody. This concludes our program. Want more in-depth baseball coverage? Be a better fan. Visit BaseballAmerica.com to get more comprehensive baseball coverage.
0: Say goodbye.